Welcome to Parker Memorial's podcast of the 8.30 a.m. service. Our service includes modern-style worship and an on-time message from God's Word by Dr. Mac Amos. Now, here's this week's message. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to the Gospel of Luke. Luke chapter 2. We've been focusing on lessons from the Christmas story. And primarily, we've been looking at God, how God invites people to participate in his kingdom work, and then what are the what are the pattern or is the pattern of response to that invitation? If you'll remember, one of the things we've been focusing on is that whenever we talk about God's invitation to participate in his will, it is not so much a request as it is sharing of information. God just simply comes along and he shares the information of what he's about to do. And how he chooses to use that particular person or people in his plan. God doesn't come along to ask you, do you want to participate? He simply tells you, this is what I'm doing and this is how I want to use you. In the Christmas story, though, we found something very unusual. And that is, every time God invites them to participate, every time God shares that information with them, they always say yes, don't they? They always say yes. There's, there's never a, a question about it. And, and I shared with you before, it, it could be because an all-knowing God already knows the heart of that person he's about to talk to. And in the Christmas story, he already knows the heart of each one of those participants. Each one of those people are going to be a part of that Christmas story. He knows their heart, and because he's an all-knowing God, he already knows before he invites them that they're going to say yes. They are going to say yes. And then I, I, I flipped that over the last few weeks, and, and I, I challenged us in this area of whenever God looks at us, does he know we will always say yes? Or, or could it be the fact that we're not invited or we're not informed or we're not a part of some of the things he wants to do because all-knowing God already knows that if he invited us, we'd say no. So one of the callings of this Christmas, one of the callings of our life for this new year we're about to start in 2019, one of those things that, that I want to challenge us about is to have a heart that says yes to the Lord always. And whatever he wants to do and however he wants to use us and when he wants to use us, that we will always say yes to what he says. And if we can get our hearts in that place to where God knows that we'll always say yes, we may be surprised, even shocked, at what he would invite us to do. That what he would tell us he wants to be doing and he wants us to be a part of. That he informs us of that. Well, wouldn't it be great that 2019 would be one of the most exciting years for you individually in your spiritual journey or as your family's spiritual journey or for us as a, as a group together in the church? Wouldn't it be wonderful that 2019 would be one of the greatest years that God ever gave to us at Park Memorial because we were willing to say yes to whatever he tells us to do, no matter what it might be, we will say yes. Well, we've looked the last two weeks at two of the participants of the Christmas story and their willingness to participate. One of those was Zacharias, found in Luke chapter 1. 
An unusual part of the Christmas story is whenever uh, God is planning for the coming of Jesus, he says there's going to be a forerunner of Christ who's going to come. And we know that that forerunner of Christ was John the Baptist. And Luke 1 records the angel coming to Zacharias and telling him that you're going to have a son and you're going to name him John and he's going to prepare the way of the Lord. And in that, Zacharias responds to God and participates in that part of the Christmas story. Then last week, we saw the life of Mary. Of course, Mary participates in the Christmas story. And and we see how God comes along and informs her of this is what I'm doing, and this is the Messiah I'm bringing, and I'm using you. And she has the opportunity to join in in what God is doing. Well, today I want to introduce to you Another are some other participants in the Christmas story, and you know them very well. They're called the shepherds. The shepherds now are going to be participants. They're going to be people that God invites to be a part of the Christmas story. They are that part of that group that he already knows they're going to say yes whenever he invites them to come. And so in Luke chapter 2, where it records the, the birth of Jesus, the first part of it is that Mary has the baby, And then you pick up in verse 8, and it begins the part with the shepherds. This is what it says. In the same region, there were some shepherds staying out in the fields and keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord suddenly stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terribly frightened. And the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. For behold, I bring you good news of a great joy, which shall be for all the people. For today, in the city of David, there has been born for you a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there appeared with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among men with whom he is pleased. And it came about when the angels had gone away from them into heaven, that the shepherds began saying to one another, Let us go straight to Bethlehem then, and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to them. And they came in haste and found their way to Mary and Joseph and the baby as he lay in the manger. And when they had seen this, they made known the statement which had been told them about this child. And all who heard it wondered at the things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds went back glorifying and praising God for all that they had heard and seen, just as had been told them. I hope you'll leave your Bibles open. As we look at these participants in the Christmas story, the shepherds. I shared with you each of the weeks that we studied this, that there's a pattern to the response of the people who've been invited. You remember that? That there are four things that happen in each of those people. Each of those are going to have four elements, four aspects of how they respond and what they feel in their response to God. Let's see if we can remember them. I was going to give you a pop test, but most of you would have failed last week. So let's see if you studied a little bit or you remember because we've gone it twice. Let's see if we can talk about it. 
the first response that they have whenever God invites them to participate is what? Fear. Fear. Very good. Man, you thought I was giving you a pop test this week, didn't you? It's fear. The second response is faith. That's right. The third is fulfillment. And the fourth is fullness of joy. That was true in Zacharias' life. It's true in Mary's life. And we're going to find out it's true in the shepherds' lives. Let's look at the setting of what happens there in verse number 8. You need to get your mind around the picture of what's taking place and where this is taking place. It says, In the same region there were shepherds staying out in the field and keeping watch over their flock by night. Now, if you've heard me preach on Mignol Eater, you know that I believe that these particular shepherds and these particular sheep are not just ordinary sheep. Where they were, they were out in the fields outside of Bethlehem, and Bethlehem and Jerusalem are very close together, and there are shepherds' fields in between those two cities. Bethlehem is the city of David, but in Jerusalem is the place where the temple was. And there between them in these fields, there were special sheep. Oh, there were all kinds of sheep, but there were special sheep that were kept in that, those fields near Jerusalem, and they were kept by some special people. Those special sheep were those sheep that had been born, and they were found to be without blemish or defect. If they were without blemish or defect, that meant they were qualified for what? They were qualified to be offered on the altar of sacrifice. And whenever sheep would be born, they would take those and they would look at them and they would find those who had no blemish or defect and they would put them into a special group, a special group of sheep, and they were cared for by a special group of shepherds. For these sheep were growing up to be offered on the altar of sacrifice. Now, why would I say that they're special sheep? Because of something it says that's happening. It says that they are watching their flocks by what? By night. Well, that wasn't a typical thing that would happen. Do you know what the shepherds would usually do? The shepherds would go, and during the day, they would let their sheep graze, and towards evening, they would gather in their sheep, and they would take the sheep and put them in the fold. The fold were the pens for the sheep to stay, and they stayed in those folds by night. The morning, they would get up, and they would let the sheep back out and graze, and graze, and then they would come back, and they would put them back in the fold. But when it came to these special sheep, these sacrificial sheep, these without blemish, they were never put in a fold. But rather they were to be grazed 24 hours a day. They were never to be brought in. You say, well, why would that happen? Because if you've ever had livestock, if you've ever dealt with livestock, the place that they're going to be most likely to get injured or damaged is what? In a pen. (laughs) Whenever they get all crowded in a pen, they're going to be here. And these sheep weren't to be pinned. They were to be kept out so that they would never have a defect or never have a blemish. So these shepherds are out by night watching over their sheep. If this is true, then more than likely these shepherds were not just ordinary shepherds. But they were priestly shepherds. Priestly shepherds who were responsible for taking care of these special sheep who are going to be offered on the altar of sacrifice. 
and they understood their role and what they were supposed to do in relationship to these sheep with the whole sacrificial system as it was set up by God to point towards an ultimate Lamb of God who is going to come and they were waiting for him to come and his name was going to be the Messiah. They knew what their job was in relationship to what they were supposed to be doing in relationship to what God is going to fulfill. So here out in the night, they are watching their sheep, these priestly shepherds understanding their role and their responsibility. But do you understand this, that out there at nighttime, whenever you're not in the fold, which is a far easier place to protect your sheep, when you're out there at nighttime in the open fields, do you understand that sometimes you can get a little fearful? How many of you, how many of you, don't raise your hand, but how many of you have ever been fearful of the dark? Or maybe you're like another person. They say, well, I'm not fearful of the dark. I'm just fearful of what's in it. <laughs> Amen? <laughs> People are fearful. of Our, our children many times are, are fearful of dark. Man, we feel so much better when daylight comes. You can see what's going on. see what's happening. Could you imagine these shepherds out in the field and it's nighttime? And that's probably the most anxious time of their day is their concern because they cannot see. They don't know what is out beyond that. There is the unknown. They don't know what is out there. And also they realize that there's the enemy that is going to prey upon their sheep as well as the enemy that might prey upon them. And therefore at nighttime there's just this little anxiousness that is go, goes away when daylight comes. And get that picture in your mind. Here are these priestly shepherds watching over these special sheep at nighttime, a little bit anxious, the most anxious time of their day, and they're there already when something unusual and unexpected happens. Look what happens. Verse 9. And an angel of the Lord suddenly stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And what does it say? And they were what? They were terrified. They were terrified. They had fear in their hearts. Fear in their hearts. They were already anxious, but now something unexpected and unusual happens. An angel suddenly appears before them, and the glory of God shows round about them. And in that unusual, unexpected, unknown experience, what creeps in their heart is fear. Well, I'm here to tell you, friend, Whenever you're going to be invited, each of these others, every time you're going to be invited to be a part of what God wants to do, and whenever God shows up in his message through an angel or through a living word of God, any time that that happens and comes about, you're going to have, no matter what your circumstance of life might be, you're going to have a little bit of fear, if not a lot of fear, creep up in your heart. When God asks you to do something beyond what you think you can do, when God shows up and you have not really anticipated that, whenever you haven't set that in your planner for the year, and God shows up and he says, this is what I want you to do, and the angel of the Lord reveals that, or the living word of God reveals that, what creeps up in your heart is fear. It's fear. Every one of them experienced it. And here are these shepherds, with the angel and the glory of the Lord coming, 
and they feel fear. And what does the angel say? The first thing he says to every one of these people who participate there in verse 10, the angel of the Lord said to them, do not be afraid. Why does he always say that? Because he knows the natural response when God shows up to ask you something, the natural response is to be afraid. But the angel of the Lord says, you do not have to be afraid. You do not have to be afraid. So the first response in that pattern of response, that first response is a response of fear. Fear is natural, but fear must not be final. You know what I mean by that? Fear is natural. You're going to have, but it cannot be the final thing. It cannot be where you land. It cannot be where you stay. You've got to move beyond fear to something else, something greater, something God wants for you. He wants you to move. And how do you move? How do you move from fear to that next step, which is called faith? How do you move from fear to faith? We talked about that last week. How do you move from fear to faith? How does God move you that way? Here it is. He gives you a word from God. If you get a word from God, you can move from fear to faith. If you'll hear what the, what the word of God is, it'll just naturally change that fear that's swelling up in your heart to this great faith that God has invited me to be a part of what he's doing. So what does the angel give to them? He gives them a word from God. Look at the word. Three parts. There it is. After saying, do not be afraid, for behold, here's the first message. I bring you good news of a great joy which shall be for all the people. Well, that's a good word, isn't it? What I'm about to tell you is good news. What I'm about to tell you is going to bring great joy. What I'm about to tell you is not for a few people, it's for all people. This is what's going to happen. This is what's taking place. The second word, listen to what the second word is. He says, for today in the city of David, there has been born for you a Savior who is Christ the Lord. You need to circle that word Christ. Why well, I want you to circle it. Because Christ means the anointed one. It's the same word, it's the same idea as the Messiah. I shared with you that these shepherds, if they're priestly shepherds, they have been looking as all Israel has been looking for the Messiah. They want the Messiah. They've been awaiting the Messiah. And here's what the word of God is to these shepherds. Listen, today in the city of David, the Messiah has been born. The Messiah has been born. And he is the savior of the world. Wow, what a message. But that's not all the message. Look what else he says. Verse 12. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. Lying in a manger. He doesn't just tell them who he is. He tells them where, listen, very important, where they can find him. Where they can find him. Now, isn't this interesting? When we talk about the Christmas story all the time, we talk about, and there was no room for him in the inn. Don't we? Yes, Brother Matt, we do that. 
There's no room. Matter of fact, we'll expound that. Isn't it so sad that Jesus had no room in the inn? Won't we talk about that over and over? No room. Have you ever thought about something? Why did that happen? Why did it happen that there was no room for him in the inn? Because, listen, the sign that he gave to the shepherd to find the baby is you'll find this baby wrapped in swaddling clothes lying in a manger. Now, think about it just a second. All the world has been taxed. There's a census that's been called. Everybody has to go to their hometown. So everybody of the, of the tribe of David, of the group of David, they've all come and they've gathered there. They're gathered in that place. You're talking about a lot of people are gathered there. When you get a lot of people, all of them are not always in the same condition. And Mary is probably not the only one who was ready to have a baby And Mary might not have been the only one who had a baby who was born that night. But Mary probably was the only one who had a baby who was lying in a manger. He didn't say go to the inn. He didn't say go. He said you will find this baby lying in a manger. That's the distinct sign. He will be lying in a manger. And when they come to Bethlehem, they only find one baby wrapped in swaddling clothes lying in a manger, and that's the Messiah. That's Jesus. A distinct sign so they can find him. Well, fear in their heart. But how do you get from fear to faith? You get a word from God. Isn't that what Paul says in Romans 10, 17? Faith comes by hearing, hearing the word of God. How does faith creep up in your life? Getting a word from God. What's the difference between faith and positive thinking? Positive thinking is if I can think it long enough and hard enough, it'll happen. Oh, no, there's no power in that. But you know what faith is? Faith is believing the word that God tells you. And when you believe the word God tells you, he brings it to pass. The power is the word. And the faith is birthed out of the word. And so these guys, they get a word from God and it creates a faith in their life. It creates something. Something swells up in them that is faith. And therefore, they're able to respond by faith. What is their response of faith? It's found there in verse 15. Don't miss it. Well, let me give you verse 14, first of all. Or verse 13 and 14. I shared with you about Mary last week. I said, you know, God always gives something extra. You know, he'll tell you the word and he'll give something extra. He did the same thing with the shepherds. He gave the word of God to them. And then what happened next? Uh, a multitude of the heavenly host shows up and they, they have a choir... And they're praising God, amen? In other words, he didn't just give them the word, he gave them something extra to build faith in their life so that they would respond to his word. And they do respond in verse 15. Listen to what, listen to what their faith is. And it came about, you know, underline this, when the angels had gone away from them into heaven. In other words, after the word of God had been given to them, here it is, 
that the shepherds began to say, saying to one another, let us go straight to Bethlehem then and see this thing that has happened which the Lord has made known to us. And they came in haste. That's faith. You know how you know that's faith? Because faith causes you to do something. Faith, faith doesn't have you just sit over here and do nothing. Faith is causing you to do something. And they said, based on this word and based on the promises and based on what the angel said and based about Bethlehem and finding out, we are going to go. We are going to find that baby. That is faith. Isn't that what James taught us about faith? Faith without works is dead. If your faith doesn't move you to do something, it's dead. Faith is not static. Faith is active. And when they had faith creep up in their heart by the word of God, they said, we must go. We must go. We must find this baby. We must search and see according to what word has been given to us. And they have faith. And when they have faith, it causes them to move to go into Bethlehem. And I don't know how God directed them in all of that city and all those people there, but God directed them and they come and they reach fulfillment. Remember, that's the third thing, fulfillment. Here it is in verse 16. And they came in haste, here it is, and they found their way to Mary and Joseph, here he is, and the baby as he lay in the manger. That is fulfillment. Fulfillment of what? Of what they had been promised. Of what they had been told. Of what they had been instructed to do. Their faith caused them to move forward, and they moved and moved and found that baby, and whenever they see that baby and they grasp what has happened here, They have a fulfillment of the promise of God. God brought that to pass. And I've told you before, there's nothing in all of life that is so wonderful as having fulfillment of what God has promised that he will do. Especially when it causes God and and God willingly moves heaven and earth for that fulfillment to take place. And he says he will. He will. If God tells you to do something, God gives you a word about something, he'll move heaven and earth to make sure that that word is fulfilled, if you'll believe him. The eyes of the Lord search to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong on behalf of those whose heart is perfect towards him. That means the eyes of the Lord are looking, and he wants to find somebody who will believe his promise, who will claim his promise, who will... Live by his promise. And it says that he'll show himself strong on behalf of that one who does. And they find fulfillment. What is the final response, the pattern response? What's the final? Fullness of joy. Fullness of joy. Do you know that's one of the reasons Jesus came? Jesus said that I want my joy to be in you and I want 
my joy, your joy to be complete. I want your joy to be complete. I want you to have the fullness of joy, not just in heaven one day, but the fullness of joy in life today. And, and how do you have fullness of joy? By the fulfillment of God's plan. They have it. Look what it says. In the fullness of joy. Look what it says in, in regard to that verse 20. And the shepherds went back, glorifying and praising God for all that they had heard and seen just as had been told them. What is their response? Fullness of joy. They go back shepherding that flock. They go back doing what they ordinarily did. They go back to their ordinary job, but they go back totally, absolutely different. They go back glorifying and praising God because they have within their heart a fullness of joy. Let me show you something else about that in this chapter. That night, that day, they go back praising, glorifying God. Let me show you something else. Please don't miss this. Look what it says in verse 17. I mean, verse 18. Verse 18. And all who heard it wondered at the things which were told them by their shepherds. Look, Look at it again. And all who heard it wondered at the things which were told them by the shepherds. You know what that little statement is about? It's about the fullness of joy that they experienced not only that day, but for the rest of their lives. I mean, they had fullness of joy that day because they had seen Jesus. They saw what the angels said was true is true. They knew the Messiah had come. But their fullness of joy was not just then, their fullness of joy was the rest of their life. That that, that verse is telling you this, that everybody they came across, you know what they would tell them? They would tell them about the night the angel came. (laughs) I guarantee you they did. You know what they'd tell them? They'd tell them about going and finding a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. They would tell them about the fact that this is the Messiah, this is the promised one of God. And we saw a multitude of heavenly hosts singing and praising God out there in the shepherd's field. As long as they had breath until they left this world, I'll assure you because they are human beings, they're going to tell everybody and anybody the greatest thing they ever experienced in their life that gave them the greatest joy. You do, don't you? We gather around the Christmas tree. We gather around the family meal. We all sit and everybody begins to tell their stories. And sometimes we've heard those stories 15 times. But it doesn't matter because it's a story about something great that happened to me. And those shepherds, every time they sat around the campfire, every time they met somebody, it says everybody they met was filled with wonder at the story they told because they told it out of the fullness of their joy. How do you have that fullness of joy? Be willing to say yes. Just say, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. 
I, I don't know if you make New Year's, Year, New Year's resolutions or New Year's commitments, whatever. Here's a great commitment to make. Just say, Lord, this year it's yes, Lord. Whatever, yes, Lord. Make that commitment. And then when he shows up by his word and he gives to you what he wants you to do, whenever he shows up, it's okay to be fearful, just don't let it be final. Amen? You can be a little nervous, you can be a little anxious about it. That's okay. Because if you'll listen, he's going to give you a word. And that word will push away the fear and will instill in your heart faith. And that faith is going to require you to do something. To take action some way. But do it. For if you will take action on your faith, he will fulfill it. And when he fulfills it, you will have fullness of joy. Not only that day, but for the rest of your life. Because you got to participate in what God's doing. He chose you. You said yes. What a blessing. And what a challenge for us. Not only individually and family, but for a church. I really believe 2019 is going to be a time we're going to, we're going to be challenged by God's word. Challenged by a vision that he wants us to be about. He's going to challenge us, but we'll have the opportunity to step out by faith, push away fear, and to be able to see it fulfilled and for God to bring the fullness of joy in our fellowship. Amen? That's what I hope. That's what I pray. That concludes this week's message from Brother Mac. Additional sermons and reference materials are available from our website at parkermemorial.com slash sermon dash series. Jesus said, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble. I have overcome the world. We can help you know the one who can bring you peace. Find us on Facebook and Twitter at Parker Memorial Baptist Church, as well as our website at parkermemorial.com. May God bless you until we meet again.